Be the right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. All right, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the No Laying Up podcast. I am Chris Solomon, and I'm ecstatic to announce for the first time ever we have a PGA Tour player on the podcast, Justin Thomas himself. Justin, do you have any idea what you've signed up for? Am I going to get a phone call from your agent demanding that this thing gets taken off the internet immediately once it's posted? <laughs> uh, hopefully not. If he does, I'll be sure to uh, to let him know to keep it up there for a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to talk to you about a lot of things today. First of all, I want to congratulate you on the success you've had so far in your first PGA Tour season. And uh, before, you, I believe you just turned 22 years old. You've got five top tens already on the PGA Tour season this year. But one of the first things I wanted to ask you about and talk to you about more is 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 what life is like on the PGA Tour. I mean, you are you. This is your your rookie season on the PGA Tour, and first of first of all, when you are, I guess, making your schedule or your 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 events for the season, what are the first things you look at for tournaments that you want to play? Is it proximity to where you live, the courses, the field? What are the first things you think about when deciding where you want to play? Yeah, well, um, you know, being a rookie, it's you're, you don't quite have that luxury of getting to choose as much, and uh, that's something that was that was definitely difficult to start the year. You just need to, you really need to play in anything and everything to start, so you can kind of get in the the reshuffle, and you know, all that stuff was so confusing and it was kind of hard to learn. But I pretty much was just told by most people when I asked that, just don't worry about it and, you know, make sure you're prepared and play well and you don't have to worry about the reshuffle. So that was that was my best uh, learning experience I had from that standpoint. But, um, but, yeah, I mean, I'm fortunate to where I got off to the start that I did to where I can pick and choose a little bit now. And I'm just uh, – I think more so it's not so much the proximity to home just because they do a pretty, pretty good job of keeping everything in a, you know, relatively similar area. You know, they don't go – California, Florida, Texas, you know, New York, anything like that. It's mm-hmm. everything's in a pretty general area, and um, I think it's just most important to to just realize what's best for my rest. And I know that I uh, I definitely don't want to play more than four weeks. You know, that that fourth week in a row, I can get probably uh, a little short tempered, and I'm probably not very much fun to work for if you ask my caddy. <laughs> <laughs> and um, just you know, more so, just kind of figuring out what. Uh, What's what I need to do, you know, stretch wise to uh, to that brings out my best golf. Yeah, so like if you get to I guess like maybe your fourth tournament in a row, how much are you? How much are you feeling fatigue at that point, or how much are you? I, I'm sure you try to want to balance. You know, when you're playing really well, you you want to tee it up again the next week. Mm-hmm. I guess how do you? Is you probably don't know until you're in the moment. I guess when you are truly fatigued, right? Yeah, um, I mean it's tough, but. I think the the biggest thing that I notice it is just I mean mentally, you just get really fatigued like that, and uh, you just like at the end of rounds just kind of make some mistakes, and uh, you know maybe go after some pins you shouldn't go for, or um, you know just make some sloppy mistakes. It's not really taking your time, but I think that's something that uh, that just kind of comes with the learning experience, and um, you know hopefully I'll be able to uh, pick and choose my career or my 
you know, my schedule for the rest of my career to where I won't have to, uh, you know, put myself in those positions too often. Mm-hmm. I, I'm also interested to to know, I know you went, you got your PGA Tour card through the web.com route. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'd imagine the change in the system for for how you could were able to qualify for the PGA Tour, you know, needing to go the web.com route and unable to go from Q school straight to PGA Tour, that, that rule change probably happened right about the time you were looking into turning professional. Mm-hmm. Did you ever have any consideration of going, I guess, the, the Brooks, Kepka, Peter Uline route of potentially doing the, the European tour and trying to get your card, I guess the way also that Patrick Rogers is trying to get it now, you know, through special temporary membership using your sponsor exemptions, or was there ever any thought to that? And what are, you, what are your thoughts on the overall qualifying system for the PGA Tour, being a young guy on tour? Yeah, it was tough because I mean I think like any, you know, any top college or amateur player when you turn pro you wanna you wanna go out on tour as soon as possible and you know it's unfortunate to where the year I turned pro it just happened to be a year after they changed that uh, you know that system so there wasn't really too much I could do about it but in in the end it, it honestly I really think it benefited me it's playing just having a year uh, under my belt to where I played under a schedule and you know I. Uh, played a, a year where I'm on a money list and you know every dollar counts and every shot counts and realizing where what I need to do to uh you know for traveling and and what days I like to travel I mean that was huge for me and um although I would have liked my my first year doing that to be on the PGA Tour in the in the end that I think uh this that was probably more beneficial for me and I learned a lot from it but and it's just kind of helping me a lot this year when the times I've gotten in contention although it's a little different stage and a lot more people watching. I still uh, understand how everything uh, reacts just from from uh, you know it's just like last year. Yeah. I, I other than ev- the answer being everything, I would. What is what are the biggest things that are the biggest differences? I guess from playing a a season now on the PGA Tour versus the Web dot com tour. What are the biggest things that are more difficult? I guess to get used to. Um. You know it's tough. There's just so many like little things, but it's uh, it's it's crazy how deep the fields are out here. I mean, it's there's this year has been a been a pretty crazy year, but it's been a great year where it seems like all the top guys have won the events. But it's uh, you know every week you'll see someone who you I mean if if the, somebody called at the beginning of the week you'd call them crazy, and uh, it's uh, it's just it's wild. You know you have a lot of guys that that uh, if they play well, they're good enough to win the tournament. And I'm not saying that that's not the case on the web.com by any means, but I just feel like a lot more often than not, you see guys contending, you know, the best players, you know, like Patrick or, or Pat and Kazire out there on the web or guys like that, where they're really good players. They're going to contend, you know, a lot out there and out here, you'll have a, I feel like you'll have a good week, but you just don't make a couple putts. And next thing you know, you finish 40th or 30th and you don't really feel like you played that bad. So that's just, uh, but that's just a part of it. Yeah. Would you say, I guess, has there been anyone in your time on the actual PGA tour that's kind of mentored you? I mean, any, any surprising older guys that you maybe didn't know before that have kind of gone out of their way to help you? I mean, I know you're friends with Spieth and that helps to have a guy around your age who's at least been there for a season or two. But is there anyone that's kind of, uh, you, a friendship or like a, an older guy, maybe even that's you've developed as kind of a mentor in your, in your short time on the tour so far? Yeah, I mean, I'm probably a lot different than other guys. I, I've really tried to branch out to a lot of guys. Um, 
and ask as much advice as possible. I mean, there, you know, there's obviously times you don't want to get too much advice, but I think uh, at the same time, I think if you get a lot of advice and you realize the things that you think are beneficial and the things that are going to help you out and you kind of take small bits here and there over the long run it'll really help you out i mean i remember when i turned pro last year i called phil mickelson and asked him a bunch of questions you know when he turned pro and stuff he dealt with and davis love his son at alabama i mean i've, I've bounced a lot of stuff off of davis and i mean scott piercy has been very nice to me as well if i met him in a when i was a junior and he actually at the byron nelson i was probably about 65 years ago and um I mean, he's the same thing. I mean, just asking, asking him little questions like, you know, where should I stay? You know, yeah. just little things like that. Going to a place like Hawaii or something like that. It's just uh, anything that can make it a little easier on me. It's it's been good to you know ask those guys stuff. Did it feel, I guess, uh, normal and routine? Um, I imagine not in every step of the way, but I'm being once you got out on the tour. Did you have the pretty much immediate feeling like you belonged there and that, that you, that's, this is where you should be? Or, or was there a phase, I guess, when you, you know, you're warming up on the range and you look to your left and there's Phil and there, or there's Tiger right there next to you? I guess that's probably two separate questions, but did, it, did you ever have to pinch yourself and be like, look, I'm, am I seriously out here in the PGA Tour right now? Or is that, yeah. was it, were you, I, I, obviously, I think you, you've, you've shown yourself extremely well since you've been there and you've proven you belong there, but was there ever any, any I guess, initial doubt or initial kind of starstruck element to when you first came out? Yeah, I think when I first got out there, I just had a totally, uh, just a totally wrong mindset in the events. And I was fortunate to where I played some events, you know, was in college or as an amateur, got some exemptions and played. And um, I I played enough to where I, I knew what I was getting into. I mean, I knew how good the guys were, and I've played against them plenty of times, especially with all the young guys I'm on tour now. I mean, I played so many amateur events against them, and I knew that my game was good enough, but... That being said, I don't think I had necessarily the right mind frame, and I wasn't going into events trying to win. I was just more so going there, okay, you know, hopefully I'll make the cut here and then we'll see what happens. And this first couple events, I just wasn't really prepared for, honestly, and uh, and it showed I didn't play well. And then I, once, I, uh, once I got in contention at Jackson, Mississippi, I, I mean, every week I've teed it up since then. I've gone to the tournament with the intention of winning, and, I think it's uh, you know I think my, my obviously I've, I feel like I've gotten better and matured and and gotten more comfortable, but I still think that's helped me a lot. Yeah, well, I want to get into a little bit about more golf specific things, but one thing I always like to pick the brains of whenever I talk to a PGA Tour player is what actual life is like. On- day to day during a week of a PGA Tour tournament. I'll tell you the foundation for the question is growing up watching golf, I used to always I'm from Dublin, Ohio, always attended the Memorial Tournament every single year and I you see these professionals come in and you watch them, you only see them in between the ropes. And from that role and and you watch on TV obviously, but from that role, the life of a PGA Tour player looks like the best possible life in the world. <laughs> it looks I mean all you think about is the millions of dollars they're making, they're playing golf for a living, they're going all over, they can play golf wherever they want. And I since then I've I've you know made some friends on the PGA Tour. I've had a friend stay with my family during the Memorial Tournament. And when he was playing the tournament, and you, I got an appreciation for 
what the day-to-day life is. I mean, he'd be leaving our house at 8 a.m., coming home at 9 p.m. on a th- on the Tuesday before the tournament. So, and I always pictured like you just show up at the course, all your bags are taken care of, your clothes are ironed in your locker, and like that was not the case. Like I picked him up in the airport, and he's got four bags. He's on the road for six weeks. So, explain what, or as best you can, like what. What the the non glorious part, I guess, of being a PGA Tour player, and what the lifestyle is like during the week? Like, do you fly? I'd imagine being a young guy on tour, you don't fly private too often. And where no. where do you typically stay? I guess, what is a normal week like? Yeah, well, that's that uh, flying private. That's when it's nice to have uh, good friends that are good at golf. <laughs> they can they can invent you. Guys with uh, guys with different color jackets in in their exactly, lockers. Exactly. <laughs> it's like, hey guys, you, oh, you're going there next week too. Well, hey, I'm. Uh, I'm sure I'll come with you guys. It's fine. <laughs> no, yeah, it's it's really. I mean, it's hard to you know sit back and ever complain about anything on the right. tour. It's it's a pretty pretty awesome lifestyle that we live. But it definitely is uh, many things you know behind the scenes and stuff like that 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 it is tough. And I think uh, it's it's just it wears on you, man. It gets tiring. It's especially those three four weeks in a row. You gotta. I mean, it sounds so you know crazy to complain about this but you know having to pack for three or four weeks and you know get everything get all your laundry done do all this and um and you know make sure you you got the you know right stuff for for which event and you know you go someplace cold one week next week something like that and you know especially for me this year going to a new place every week i'm you know i'm trying to find the the restaurants to go to i mean already a couple times this year I've, i've stayed in hotels that nobody's staying in and it's not just from not asking the weeks mm-hmm. that I decided not to, and I'm, um, you know, 10, 15 minutes from everybody, and, you know, deal. we go to some some places like L.A. where the traffic is just terrible, <laughs> it is so bad, and we got a, you know, we got an 8 a.m. tea time, we got to wake up at 4 o'clock, and by the time we're done practicing, we're hitting 5 o'clock traffic, and, you know, we don't get home till then, and it's it's little things like that that, in the I mean, in reality, it's nothing to really complain about, but just over a three four weeks span it uh it can get a little tiring and it can uh it can wear on you a little bit and make you know those nights where you're just in the hotel room just so exhausted a little worse and um but hey it's uh it definitely is worth it and it definitely has its uh its perks yeah yeah it definitely it, it's it's i'm sure it's worth the money it's worth the mm-hmm. it's worth i mean but the, the 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 word that just came to mind for me when i really saw it is how much of a grind it was you know and it's yeah. It's yeah. easy to look at a leaderboard every week and see the top 10 guys up there and you see the same names up there and you think that life on the tour is just one big glory ride. But it's also, you forget about those guys that are grinding out there to make cuts or maybe their game's not nearly yeah. as much in shape. And, you know, you've got, you've got uh, the, the money is, is there, but at the same time, it's a, it's a stressful, it can be a stressful thing week to week. And, you know, you, I mean, how much do you, I've always curious this as well. I mean, who, I, I don't, Forgive me, I don't know the answer to this. Or who is your caddy? And I guess how did you? What is your relationship there? How do you guys know each other? How did you? How did they, How did that start? Yeah, my caddy is uh, Jason Shortall. He's from Australia, and uh, when I turned pro, I mean, I uh, I didn't really know who I was going to have caddy for me, and you know, it's the the long story of uh, Greller. You know, Jordan's caddy. I, I was going to have him caddy for me, and that punk turned pro before I did, so I lost <laughs> him, and. Um, so I kind of went through a couple people, and I had uh, this guy, uh, Sammy Pinfold, who was a great guy. Ricky recommended him to me, and he uh, he worked for me. And then, but this was before Q school even, so he kept it for me a couple months. And then um, 
Brendan Steele called him after first stage of Q school and was like, Hey, you know, I'd love for you to work for me on tour the rest of the year. And I mean, any caddy with any sort of brains would definitely take that. I mean, although it, and who knows what it could, what, what may happen in the long run, but you just can't, I mean, the, the amount of money we play for on the web.com tour and the amount of money that they play or we play for now on the PGA tour, it's just, it, it, it's a no brainer. You know, yeah. he, he had to take that job. So he did. And then I was without someone again, and I just kind of had to use someone week to week. And I actually ended up using Greller second stage of Q school, and then I uh, knew J.B. Holmes' caddy, and he wasn't playing when I had final stage, so I used him. And I just kind of needed someone to help me get through that. And then I just kind of got with my agency, and we uh, we kind of just tried to figure some people out and narrowed it down through a couple guys. And Justin Rose is with uh, my agency as well, and. His caddy Fooch is really, uh, really close with Shorty, my caddy now, and they kind of got in contact with my agent and got a hold of me, and I just talked to him on the phone, and we tried it for a couple weeks last year, and uh, he's been on the bag since. So it's been, uh, it's been, it's crazy, you know. The, those are the stories that people, it, it, the the stories of how guys get their caddies is, uh, it really is crazy with some of them. It is always interesting to me, and it's amazing to me also. Uh, how often these guys kind of change bags and how there doesn't seem to be, it's not like breaking up with a girlfriend. Like I know that uh, I know some, one of my friends on tour who's, he's had the same caddy, I think maybe three different times and they're cool with each other when he's not on the bag. It's just like, Hey, I'm going to go a different direction. And you just, you just kind of, kind of go with it. And it's not, you don't really take it that personal. Is that, is that the way you see it as well? Yeah. Yeah. It is. It's, 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 uh, it is crazy. And, um, you know, there's some splits that are obviously better than others, but in the, in the long run, it's it's tough for me, especially you know being the age I am and being the the spot I'm at in my career. That it, it's really tough for a 22 year old or, or a 25 year old to you know sit there and you have to fire somebody. You know, that's right. not really something that, <laughs> that we're very comfortable with, or at least I wouldn't be if I had to do that. And uh, but in the end of the day, you know, we're the boss in this situation. And we have to do what's what's best for us. So. It's uh, it's crazy, but you know, it's it's all part of it. And the, I imagine the same thing goes that we were talking about as far as being the grind on tour. That goes for the caddies as well because they're basically. I, I again, I always pictured it too that like players and caddies like room together and stuff on the road, but that's not that common, is it? For players or caddies? Players and caddies to room together. Like, you don't no, room with your no, caddy on the road. Like, the caddies kind of do their own thing, right? They typically bunk up yeah. together or rent a, a yeah. get, share rooms and whatnot. But I, so it's, it's, it, as much of it is a grind for you, it's a grind for the caddies as well. You, same, same issues. You know, they're, you're booking last minute travel and it can't be cheap to, you know, travel week to week from the tournament, especially no. when you don't know how much money you're making that week. It's a, yeah. it's an interesting it's, uh, life for caddies as well. I, I've, I've always is. been fascinated by that. It is. It's something that I think is very, you know, it's it's very underrated, and it's it's unbelievable how everybody who doesn't play golf just assume that caddy gets ten percent of no matter what you make. Yeah, everything like, always. There's literally, not one player on tour that I know that you get ten percent of whatever check that they make. I don't know if I just haven't talked to the right guys or not, but it's just that's just not what it not what it is, and it's it is a t- it's a really tough life they live. I mean, obviously, if you get a if you get a great player and you're, you know, you're on their bag for a while, it's not a tough life by any means. But, you know, you're you're with someone for a while and they have a couple tough years, have to go back to the web and come back out here, have another couple tough years. I mean, it, you really, it's you really haven't made too much money, and yeah. 
they they room with each other a lot. I mean, the caddies are awesome. I love going in the caddy tent and just sitting there after lunch and hanging out with them sometimes. And you know, we'll we'll go out and have some beers or something like after a tournament on Sunday. And you know, we'll all get together and. Yeah. You know, it's kind of a little little bond and friendship a bunch of us have out here, so it's uh, it's kind of cool to spend that with them sometimes. Yeah, you talk about guys that have good stories. The, the caddy shack, oh, that's where you want to go. That's absolutely where you want to go. That is where you want to go for sure. <laughs> and I totally agree. I, see, I totally, I mean, you can, it's weird as a, a caddy, you can literally make, I mean, the standard is pretty much, from what I understand, is you do you do pay your caddy 10% for a win. Is that mm-hmm. is that the general the general standard i guess on tour would it you is, agree yeah. okay yeah like 10 percent of a win and then some guys will do like six so, percent of a yeah. big cut like i do six eight ten with my caddy it's eight percent of a top ten six percent of a made cut and then ten of a win and then you give them a standard base fee and some a lot of guys do five seven ten i mean yeah. it, there's literally there's so many different options but the ten percent usually only relates to a win, right? And then you're paying a baseline fee like per week, though, but at minimum, correct? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. So that's what it's 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 basically enough that they can get by and travel and expenses per week. But I mean, if the if if your guy's missing four or five straight cuts, and let's say. You've got if you've got three or four kids at home and you're the lone income provider for the family mm-hmm. and that that can it can cycle but at the same time you can also be you know you can win the players championship and make one hundred eighty thousand dollars and so it's yeah. it's yeah. you don't have quite the financial security of a PGA Tour player but you can make a very very nice living it's just very dependent on your yeah. player I just find that element completely fascinating but it is it's crazy do you feel like um, when like from week to week or just oh now that you are you know a top 100 player in the world and you're a established PGA tour player i got the sense from some some people i know out there that people are always wanting fr- something from you and i'm no exception yeah. to this cuz i just hit you up and said hey do you want to come on a podcast <laughs> so i'm not putting myself above anyone at this point but do you always i felt like there was always you need to do this can you do this can you do this for me can you can i have your ball can i have your glove yeah, can you yeah. can you leave me some tickets how about this do you get yeah. is that kind of overwhelming or somebody that's getting it used is. to that I, I that's something that um that was actually i forget who I think it may have been uh, Dickie Pride's been another person that's really given me a lot of uh, advice. I mean, being an Alabama guy, and I mean, Dickie's about as big of a piece of work as they come, and um, he's 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 a character. He's funny to talk to, but he that was one thing he said because he just I remember he was at an event and I was there, and especially the rookies, you know, that all those club guys and guys with you know putting drills or, or you know swing aids they see these rookies and they're like all right this is our chance because they don't know any better so <laughs> they can come up to us so you know check this out hit, hit a couple with this do a couple with that and dickie just came up to me he's like dude you gotta say no to some people like, <laughs> like you really think you're about to go use this you know i've used a scotty karen my whole life and this person is going to come up to me with a putter with like the 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 shaft going in like the back toe of it and i'm like really about to use this it's like no dude just look look at them and just politely know you know i i appreciate the interest but I, i'm i don't want to change and then it's done you know yeah <laughs> and that's something i've had to get better with because you know i have some people wanting to do like pro ams or dinners or stuff like that and as much as i'd love to do all that stuff it just it goes with all the all the thing i was saying I need to stay rested and need to just kind of, you know, get my priorities straight and realize, you know, I'm here to perform at my best in my golf tournaments. And for me to do that, you know, I just need to realize what, uh, 
what to say yes and no to sometimes. Yeah, because I mean, I imagine that just takes a toll on you adding up week to week because you go into yeah. into one town. You know, you're out in L.A. and you have a buddy that you went mm-hmm. maybe to middle school with that you haven't spoken to in years that wants to yeah. get dinner and wants you to get tickets for six of his friends and whatnot. Yeah. And it's just, yeah, it's got to be hard to pick and choose what you can say yes and no to. Yeah, but. it is, it is. But I, at the same time, you know, it's cool because like you said, it's actually funny that you said that about L.A. We had some, I mean, Jordan and I had some good buddies that play golf at UCLA, and we went out to, like, dinner with them one night. So, you know, there's stuff like that where each week it is crazy, especially in the sport. We meet so many people, and to get to just kind of go out and, you know, have dinner, have a couple of drinks with some friends we haven't seen in a while, It's it kind of keeps us, you know, at, at our age and keeps us um, – it just kind of keeps us relaxed and everything, but at the same time, yeah, you'll get someone you literally weren't even good friends with in like, <laughs> high school, yeah. and then all of a sudden they're, oh, bro, what's up, man? It's like, dude, we're we're not that close. <laughs> you don't need to be saying that right now. <laughs> uh, that's a I, it's, it's an interesting transition. What, what I wanted to ask you next is, I feel like a lot of uh, a lot of I guess golf writers or media types li- love to lament to the fact when. Back when guys on the tour weren't, you know, in the fitness trailer at 6 a.m. and whatnot, they were out at the bars with the writers till 2 a.m. every night. And there was yeah. a big party, I guess, aspect to the PGA Tour. I think everyone would kind of agree that that has died down in recent years, at least. Uh, would you say, is there is there kind of maybe a divide uh, on tour between guy, like young guys like yourself that are kind of on your grind and the up-and-coming and the guys that are kind of have made it in their career, say they've made you know, $15, $20 million or maybe on the back half of their career. Is it is it clear to you who is out there really to, I guess, to, to really grind and make their way up the ranks and who has actually like made it on tour? And like, do you see that, I guess, on the range and who, who puts in the time and as well like socially, like who goes out? Are there still guys that go out till 3 a.m. when they have a 8 a.m. tea time? Yeah, you know, it's but the, I think I don't think it's as much as um is their you know care for their their golf or anything like that. It's just you know it's just people's personality. If yeah. someone's you know you'll have guys that aren't really big grinders that they, that they're not going to go get a lot out of practicing you know six hours a day and um you know and then that's but that's how they are and uh, you know there's there's guys that you know like to go out and have you know five six seven beers at dinner and they're fine about it and they're going to be you know they're going to be content the next day and yeah there's always i think it doesn't matter what age or or you know what point the game is at and i think this is in any sport you're always going to have people that are going to you know they're going to do their own thing that they've always done and they're always been accustomed to and but yeah i mean for some of the stories i've heard there's it's definitely um i would say it's a lot more tame but uh, I mean, you still get your guys that like to go out and have some fun, and I think that's—I I, personally, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. No. I mean, it's not like it has—it has any impact on me, or it's not like it—it's—it's it's making anything bad. It's just that's what they like to do, and there's no reason for them to change just because you know some people want want them to. Yeah. I agree with that. All right. Now, all right. I'm going to transition to one of my favorite and most fun topics, and that is, of course, tour sauce. So yes. I guess how familiar, first of all, before we get into it, how familiar are you with tour sauce? I feel like I'm pretty familiar with it to, enough to know that um, I probably will, will have my fair fair share of moments during the course of a day, let alone, or an event, let alone in a day. <laughs> I'll definitely give my uh, 
my four lefts and four rights to the crowd, I'll occasionally hit, hit me a couple of drives that are offline. And, uh, you know, I, I, I talk to my ball all the time. I'm terrible with that. I'm not near as bad as Jordan is. No, but I'm, that's, he's I'm, Hall uh, of Fame level there. But Yeah, yeah. He's he's on a totally different level. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I get a good kick out of it. And I'll definitely, you know, some of, some of us guys out there who understand it will give each other a pretty hard time. That's awesome. Well, for those listening that don't know what it is, um, I, I uh, basically we came up with this about a little over a year ago. It's a list of things that you can a PGA Tour player can do, and it makes sense because they're in between the ropes and they have galleries there. That if you did in a regular round with your buddies would make no sense at all. Such as like if you hit a wayward drive, you point with your club as if there's a marshal up there to you know to watch for your ball. And so I always say, like, all right, yes, there's obvious moves that a tour, pl- a tour player should can do or should do during a round, Those that being one of them. Like, you should warn the crowd ahead of you. But I love pointing out the, the particular tour sauce moves that, that, that only pros do that really just don't make that much sense. Like, like blaming the spike mark blitz. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, are do you see do you see a lot of these moves? Or do you look at do you look at it with like a new like do you look at them like all right? Are you serious, man? Like really, that's that spike mark. Is that why you missed it? Do you see a lot oh of that God, out there? Oh God, that's so so torso. <laughs> doing that in my group. I mean, I. I know it enough to where when I see it, I, I do genuinely think it out there. It's funny, and um, I mean, especially you know, like the, like I I remember. I mean, I hate to call him out like this, but I, like Kevin Na on seventeen, I remember in the players yes. shot, and I'm like, I mean, he hits this. And this is like so typical what Jordan has done so many times, just yelling at his ball like, oh my gosh, this is terrible, and it goes to like five feet, and I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, why why were you just yelling at your ball like that? <laughs> Oh, uh, that's what that, well, that's what my uh, my next question was going to be. I guess who we Kyle Porter and I from CBS made like a tour sauce power rankings. I guess who are well, first of all, who are you comfortable calling out for? And I'm not saying tour sauce is necessarily a bad thing. I find it yeah, really not, entertaining. I find yeah. it entertaining. It's fun. Who are some of the guys that you know on tour? I guess there's some guys you're comfortable calling out for being that should be pretty high up there in the tour sauce rankings. Oh yeah. Golden shot is definitely number one on that list. There's yeah. No, question about no, it. no doubt. I mean, other guy, I don't know. I mean, everyone kind of, I don't know if it's, there's, there's many other guys I would feel comfortable. <laughs> about, but yeah, I mean, there's uh, you know, everyone has their fair share of things, but it's, um, I mean, it's, it is funny. I mean, it, it, we do do things that it's just unnecessary and it's, you don't even think about it, but it just happens. And if you see yourself on, on TV or someone will tweet it at you and you're just like, well, how did I do that? <laughs> what are you, what tour sauce move, I guess, are you most guilty of? Like what is your, I guess, if you had a go-to tour sauce move, what would you say yours is? Mm, I don't know. Um, like you're not you're not the one one of the guys in the fairway that you know if you miss if you go long or short you don't go to the yardage book after the shot to to really question whether or not you had the right yardage or you're not looking up to the trees to see if the wind changed right. Uh, oh, I, I do the, I do the wind thing a lot. I'm okay. definitely guilty of that one. Okay. Uh, the yardage book one, not so much. I mean, I've done it a couple times, but that's only if it's just an absolutely absurd distance differential that would make me even question it. But yeah, I mean, there's. There's plenty of times where I've hit a shot and looked up at the trees, and I'm like, you know, how's that? And that's a perfect example. Like, it's just like, why are you looking up at the trees? Exactly. It's over with. 
it's such a bad habit to get into. And I'm not sure a wind a wind expert could tell you anything additional about the way a tree moves that would that would have give you enough information to tell you how your ball how your ball came up yeah. long or short. And even, and even if you knew, it doesn't matter because your shot's over with and it sucked. Obviously, or else you wouldn't be looking. So it's it's tough to. Do. It's tough to do. <laughs> All right. Uh, I want to transition a little bit into talking about, I guess, more actual golf matters. And, uh, you know, I asked some of my friends before we came on here what what, uh, some, what what items I should talk to you about or what questions I should ask you. And almost unanimously, people wanted to know what it was like playing with Sergio, um, the final round of the Players' Championship, because it, se- it certainly appeared on TV and the announcers were discussing about how he was getting kind of, I guess, not even kind of, he was getting heckled by yeah. the fans during the final round. I am I'm very guilty of making a lot of Sergio jokes in, in, mm-hmm. in my past, but... I will never stand for, especially American fans, I guess, harassing foreign players yeah. or harassing anyone. So I, I particularly did not care for that. But I noticed after he made the putt on 17, I think you gave him, went up and gave him a high five or gave him some acknowledgement. Was that kind yeah. of like, what, what was that like, I guess, playing with him with that kind of, with that going on to distract you? And, and what was that experience like? Yeah, it was really cool. I mean, that, that's the thing. The, the, I mean, the guys I got to play with on the weekend, you know, Graham and, and Sergio were two people that, you know, have done some serious damage to us in yeah. Ryder Cups. And it was, uh, you know, that was tough. And, I mean, I think I'd be lying if I said that I had at some point cheered against them in my career. I mean, yeah. was, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, of course. Four or five years ago, I'm in high school and I was watching them in Ryder Cups. And I'm obviously going to pull for, you know, America. And it's nothing against them whatsoever. And I really, really, really gained. They were so nice to me. And. You know, they said so many, so many nice things, and uh, and this the stuff that people are saying to Sergio were, were crazy. I mean, I I understand in Phoenix when you know, I mean, yeah. everyone there's so drunk, and and it's just kind of what what the 16 is known for, people yelling at you. But you know, to be to be one back on 17 at uh, at Sawgrass to that pin downwind with all that adrenaline. And you got people yelling at you, 2013, and people yelling oh. at you. Don't hit it in the water. I mean, I, I just, I couldn't believe it. I, I, I felt bad for him. I really did. And um, I think that's why, honestly, when he made that putt, I, I was happy for him. You know, yeah. I, I didn't, not that I was cheering for him over anybody in the in the playoff. I mean, I didn't care. I was more upset with how I did. But I, um, just to to see him have to go through all that in such a heated moment and such an important part of the tournament was was crazy i mean i didn't it was i definitely um kind of got a grasp for it you know experiencing it live there's one thing you know what you see and hear on tv but when you're out there and dealing with it right there in person you hear everything and it was it was crazy yeah and i I, i'm probably as guilty as anyone as far as like being unfair towards players or making jokes and whatnot about players but it may sound kind of cowardly to say but it's one thing to kind of do that online it's different to, or you know, you're sitting there watching TV with your friends. It's different to do that to a person at their place of business. You know, like yeah. that, that. That's not the way golf should be, right? Yeah. I mean, I'm not above yeah. criticism in any way, or you know, it, people people get on me, you know, for being too hard on certain players or whatnot. And it, it may seem a bit cowardly that yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't say these things to Sergio or anyone to his face, but it's like. You can't you can't harass someone while they're playing golf. Like it's that's not fair. This isn't the Ryder Cup, yeah. and I feel like the the that final stretch of the players has kind of turned into a little bit like the waste management. I mean, those guys were hammered, yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's it, too many places are trying, kind of trying to turn into the waste management. I agree. Atmosphere. I think there's, it's, it, uh, and it's just taking a lot out of the game. It's just, it's not what golf's meant to be. And I mean, it's easy for us to say it's, you know, a lot of people look at the game of golf and they're like, well, the sport's not fun unless it's like that. And you know, yeah. if it's not, they just don't come. Get out, yeah. Get out of here with that. <laughs> it's, it's tough. And you know, the games that is at a spot where, you know, we need as much as we can in support, but you know, that that's just not really the support that we need. And, um, hopefully it'll get better. I mean, it, it, golf is in a great time and, and a great, um, I think trending in a great direction, but, uh, no doubt. But yeah, I mean, stuff like that just doesn't need to happen and hopefully it'll, uh, it'll calm down. Yeah. So was that, was that pretty much the craziest atmosphere that you've played in so far? That final, that final stretch of the players? Um, does it rival, I guess, with yeah, this, this, I mean, I don't know. That, that Phoenix was yeah. insane. I mean, <laughs> it, it was. It just, it just because I wasn't really in contention that much at, at the players at, on those holes. I mean, I was yeah. up till I'd say probably 15 was when I really didn't have a chance anymore. And then, um, but I mean, at the, at the player or at the waste management, you know, even when you're not in contention, being in the last couple of groups, I mean, I was in the last group on Saturday when the most people that come to a tournament of all time, any tournament, any year, and I was in the yeah. final group for that. And I mean, the stuff like trying to trying to hit a hundred and twenty yard wedge shot with you know <laughs> you got forty thousand drunk people screaming at you. It's like your adrenaline. It's just it's crazy, and uh, it's uh, it was just nuts. It was it was really cool to. to to do and to, and to spend that day and play with a burger was pretty sweet so yeah, it was fun that's awesome so are there guys that i guess when you get paired with or in general when you play a practice round with are there specific guys out there that you want to outdrive like you want to you want to hit it past certain guys like i'd imagine if you uh, the golden child you want to hit it past him probably at least to, well, to... i mean i would want to but it's really not even a, a competition i fly him about every time <laughs> i hit a drive so that's I'm not too worried. He has gotten longer. He can get a little closer to me, but uh, but yeah, that the stuff like that. It's not even a competition. I just kind of <laughs> hit it out there, and it seems to get past him every time. So that's, <laughs> I that's think easy. I think you answered my next question: is how much pride is there out there with guys on tour trying to hit it past each other? Is it something you guys kind of rib each other it's, on? <laughs> it's probably not. It's it's probably too it's uh, too much of a deal to me than it probably is to other people. I mean it's <laughs> it's it's funny. I, I'm someone. I mean I'm kind of a golf nerd. I, I like watching golf when I'm not playing. Even if I'm you know if I'm playing in the afternoon and there's coverage on in the morning. I mean I will watch it just because I I enjoy watching golf. And time I've been in contention, I've tried to have it recorded just because I I like to watch it and see how I handle it and see how I do everything and. It's just it's it's really cracking me up how every single shot I hit they just tell me I'm swinging too hard. <laughs> I mean I'm just like no I haven't been on TV ever in my life until this year and they just don't understand that that's how I play. I mean, <laughs> that's your swing that got you there like, exactly. That, and I do understand you know there may be times where I can swing softer but it's like there's people that are better when they're between clubs or going one club or the other and. I mean, it's just that's just my game, and that's how I am. Yeah. So that's uh, well, I definitely take pride in it a little bit. But you know, so a lot of the the older guys probably don't care at all. Yeah, well, I mean, imagine that's a, a good point you made about about rewatching your rounds. How how sick of it do you get as far as these the the same 
narratives that they say every time you're on the screen. It's one of yeah. three things. It's, well, you know, he's friends with Jordan Spieth, or, well, he's 145 pounds soaking wet, yeah. or this week the new one is, well, he's roommates with Patrick Rogers. Like, yeah. Don't, yeah. Do you feel like they, that sometimes, uh, not to get on the CBS or NBC guys too much, it's like they don't even try to look into coming up with new things or things to say about somebody. Yeah. It's the same stuff over and over again. Oh, Jason Duffner, he's lost weight. Like, yeah. do, is that, Does that get, get on you at all, at least a little bit, or do you notice I mean, that kind of thing? The Jordan thing definitely did. It was, uh, I mean... Because I felt like I'd I'd played well and I'd you know got my name out there and then Jordan won the Masters and I literally had more media than I've ever had in my entire life. I was like, <laughs> like I really just want to be like, you know what? I'm happy for him. It's great. It's awesome. It's motivating. But I just don't want to talk about it anymore. Like, <laughs> yeah. Um. And and in in no way do I mean that disrespect to Jordan. I mean, of I, not, no. I I am. I'm, there's a reason I went out and practiced that morning and watched the entire final round. I mean, I was pulling for him harder than anybody. But it's just like. I mean, that's I'm I'm worried about my own thing, and I I don't want to be associated as Jordan's friend. I want to be associated as myself, and and be known for the things that I do on the course, not just you know for knowing somebody. Right. Imagine being in, in maybe ten years ago as like a guy like Phil answering the yes. questions about yeah. Tiger and Adam Scott winning the Bridgestone and answering questions about his caddy who would use yeah. the caddy for Tiger. Like it, yeah. it, it, it drives me nuts as far as the narratives that, uh, that some of the media tries to, tries to drive. And that's, I, I guess, yeah, that was, how much attention do guys in the locker room pay to, uh, do you guys ever roll your eyes? I guess at some of the things that get said, is it a point of discussion? Is it, is it, is it, I think it's crazy how the smallest little things turn into a, a blog post or something on every single major golf golf website. Like, it, yeah. it, is that something you guys notice or care about? Is it annoying? Um, I, th- I think we notice it sometimes. I mean, it's, uh, it's obviously some things are different than others, but, um, but yeah, I mean, we, we just, we'll definitely roll our eyes at some things that are said or done, but at the end of the day, I mean, that's, that's why they're the media, that's their job. I mean, they're trying to do st- get stuff out of us or, or, you know, try to make a story out of something. Yeah. I mean, we can't really, I guess, you know, fault them for that. But although there's things that are that are talked about that we probably wouldn't care if they were talked about, there's yeah. not really a whole lot we can do about it. Yeah, the only defense I'll give, I guess, is that the media is the fact that they're covering an individual sport where they're, the the golfers inherently aren't that interesting. I think. I mean, there's just yeah. not there's not the same drama that goes with an NFL season where there's 1,800 players or you know the team aspect of the NBA, et cetera. So they don't have a ton of things to write about. So they don't. I, I'll, I'll at least defend that. I feel like they got way too many people writing <laughs> writing yeah. these same stories over and over again. But it's. Uh, it can be difficult to cover, but I, I, I think that they try way too hard. I mean, like the thing, like something like that happened last year, where Rory they they claim people are claiming Rory was throwing shade at Phil and Tiger because he said they were on the back end of their careers. It's like yeah. that's just literally the most easy observation you could possibly make. No one's going to yeah. argue that they're on the the back end of their careers, but I imagine that that stuff has got to uh, and people like Rory have taken note of it and are, are not as open with the with the with the media yeah. at times I think so well and it's tough and they I mean they ask questions to try to get that stuff out of us too it's like yeah like one one question that I, I'll never understand why guys get in trouble for answering is you know when they ask them how they feel that they are about their game or how you know where they think that they are you know or how good do they think they are it's like well what person would say that they don't think they're one of the best in the world it's right like we that we're playing the sport to try to be that, and we're playing each week expecting to win. So why would we sit here and say, 
Yeah, you know, I'm probably a top like sixty. I mean, I'm maybe in the top sixty. You know, I'm 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 average. I've I'm, reached I'm, my potential. That's it for me. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> if I, it, or like you know, if you're head to head with Rory, it's like. I feel like the media, you know, go up to you like, do you really think you can beat him tomorrow? It's like, well, yeah, I do. <laughs> I, I mean, I understand it might be harder than if being the 300th person in the world, but, you know, I played well to get there, and it's you never know what's going to happen in a day. So it's just, but that's a part of it, you know. That's, yeah. Like I said earlier, that's their job, but it's, yeah. uh, you know, it's it's whatever. Yeah. How I'm curious. How into I guess the new the new wave of golf stats are you? I mean, I don't know how familiar you are with like strokes gained putting, strokes gained tee to green, and kind of the new way, new Mark Brody way of looking into like the, I've read the book Every Shot Counts. I don't know if you have. How much do you look into or understand or invoke that into your training or your analysis of your game? Yeah, I look at stats a lot. I probably do more than usual. I mean, I look at mine from each week after I finish just because it. I mean, I, I just feel like it's pretty. It's right there. It's so obvious to yeah. look at what you need to improve on when you can when you have it all right in front of you. I mean, I putted I putted great last week, and I um and I did it uh, at the players too. And I mean, I knew that, and I just had a couple of days where my ball striking was a little loose and in, in my driving and, and the, the days where I drove it well. I mean, that's you know I drove it well on Saturday, both both. Um, uh, both the players and last week, and I played well. It's like it, it's not, it's no secret or anything like that. And I think that's where stuff or stats really, at least for me, helps me just because I learn uh, and know what to practice. Yeah. Okay. So, do you buy? But are you looking into like the strokes gained aspect of it, or do you, basically my question is? I think these certain stats like driving accuracy, greens and regulation even, are kind of outdated stats, right? I mean, you can look at the end yeah. of your round and you have 28 putts and you could have had a great round putting or you could have had a terrible round putting depending yeah. on where you were yeah. in regulation. So do you, are you aware of those, I guess, concepts and do you, do you, I guess, study or have you learned about those in recent years? Yeah, I mean, I uh, I definitely do understand that, especially for someone like, you know, like in my distance that, driving you know fairway percentage which is obviously driving accuracy isn't isn't as important because you know if i'm missing fairways by you know four yards or if i'm missing them by two yards but i have sand wedge in as opposed right. to you know something like that then I, obviously the fairway is is extremely important and many tournaments as firm and fast as the greens are but there are also some weeks where i'm trying to you know you gotta probably allow for one whole day or I'm trying to drive it up by green, and I'm not going to hit it on the green. I'm probably going to hit it in a bunker or green type bunker or rough, and then you're going to have a, you know, a hole where I'll hit a good drive, but it'll just go through the fairway or something like that. So it's just that's why it's important for me to look at them because I know I'll have weeks where I feel like I drove it well and I'll be at 60 percent, and that's fine. But I can look at my I missed 10 putts inside 10 feet this week, and I'm like, okay, you know, I that, I just need to practice a little bit more. Like I, my I didn't make any putts outside of 15 feet for the first parts of this year, and I've really, really worked hard on that. And I mean, the last probably four or five weeks, I've made, I mean, probably at least four or five putts over 15, 20 feet each week. So that's something where that, looking at those mm-hmm. stats is really beneficial. Yeah, that adds up too. So, mm-hmm. what is I'm gonna put you on the spot with this one. What is the most shameful layup you've ever had in your professional golfing career? Like, can you think of off the top of your head where you'd be like, oh man, no laying up's going to get on me for this one? 
I believe it or not, I definitely remember one at the at Phoenix. I had like, I had um, uh, I think I had like two forty three or something on uh on Sunday, and um, at that green is just it's 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 sitting weird for for a uh, a right hander. I think I think it's a great green for a left hander because it would help a, a cut in there. Is this fifteen? No, it's not, it's on. It was on a three, four. three, oh three. Or is it three? It's the par five, yeah, 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 yeah. So the pin was down in the front, and like long is no good, and short's that hazard. And I'm like, well, and it's just it was just cold enough where the ball wasn't really flying, and I was like, well, I need to fly at about two thirty, and I couldn't quite carry my four iron that far without just peering it. Yeah. And my two iron, if I hit it good, it's gonna go over. And I'm like, I was like, ah, I can't, like I just can't do this. Like I'm not, in all reality, not gonna make a three going for it and i know if i lay up it's such an easy wedge shot i'm i'm not gonna have more than about six feet but i'm like i can't believe i'm laying up from 240 right now this is, this is pretty tough <laughs> what's funny is i've made it no secret on twitter that i'm a big fan of your game and that uh I, I, people people will tell on you to me that i literally had a guy like telling me justin thomas just laid up from 267 i'm like Wait a second here, like two sixty seven. That's not like a gar- like a guarantee, but just just be careful out there. Is all I'm going to say is people tell on you. People, li- I'm not, I'm just sitting here trying to enjoy the tournament. I don't I don't want to hear these things. I don't want to hear about people laying up and uh, so just just be careful out there and know that if you got a, got a shot inside two fifty and you lay up, somebody may tell on you. Oh but- uh, yeah, well and I knew, like every Riviera number ten that hole so hard, but it's just that's another hole where it's not it's not a very good distance for me because yeah. there's way too much and. For a for a right hander to cut a three wood, that's a pretty good three wood to get it down just over that green. So and it's I don't think it's that hard of a wedge shot personally. I mean you can at least hit the green. So I was like I gotta lay up every day, and I'm like I know one day I'm gonna get bashed by no laying up with this. <laughs> <laughs> that you know what I kind of exclude number ten. I don't I yeah, don't get on people yeah, for laying up there. Just, I'm not senseless. I'm not like, yeah, no laying up. But it's like you don't have to be stupid. You know, I don't encourage you going jumping off a cliff. Like it's, yeah. it, it, you have to you play within your uh, your reins. And it, that 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 hole, I still, I know, I, I watched like all the live that coverage for that hole. Yeah. I couldn't tell you what the right play is. I really can't. And I don't know if that makes it a great or a terrible hole. I like the hole, but it's yeah. it's like it, you you do have to you have to play smart. You're playing for the lowest score. I'm not an idiot. Like you, you yeah. but yeah, I, you you have a free pass though I, I can't get on i can't get on you for uh forever laying up just because of how often you do go for it so don't oh, good. I'm, double- I'm glad to hear there, there definitely is <laughs> I actually had a talk with my caddy about it just because we do we are getting a little bit borderline too aggressive on the, on the going for it we're getting like 280 to a, you know a pin a little end of the wind and then you can't be short right and i'm like let's just i think we can get there and, and i like Heal it and I come up short. I'm like, why did we just go for that? That was so stupid. Waited for the green to clear too and missed it by yeah, 40 yards. Oh, yeah, exactly. Well, I had a terrible one last week. I on um on 14. It was like 290 to the front and it was like a little downwind and it was one to where you know if I turn like if I turn over my three wood off the tee, I mean I can carry it about 285, 290, and that's gonna fly in front of the green and go over the green. And I'm like, man, if I hit like a low kind of hooking two iron with that slope i'm like i can get i think i can get this on the green and i can definitely get near the front and i waited for the green to clear and i just chunk smother hooked it in the water like not even remotely close it was so embarrassing it was terrible <laughs> oh that sounds like a, like a, a, a normal i guess amateur that anytime like i'm waiting for a green, a green to clear and i gotta wait and sit there with my three wood in my hand there's mm-hmm. a 
three percent chance I hit the hit the ball first. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's no it, it it's it's impossible after a long wait. I mean, I guess do you notice? I guess the it's I feel like pace of play has not really been a noted issue this year on tour. Maybe it's just because we've mm-hmm. had so many so many good storylines, so much success out there. Do you feel like there's a pace of play issue? I guess on tour, do you notice it or? Yeah, I definitely think people should play faster. Yeah. I mean, there's just too many too many times where I feel like we're. Um, you know, just having to wait, or we have so many rounds over, like, you know, five hours. Last week was awesome. I mean, it was, pace of play is the best it's been on a year, I thought, and, uh, but yeah, I, I just, I don't know if it's what the, they need to change the consequences or what they need to do, but, um, but yeah, I, I definitely, it's, I definitely think that they, the pace of play could be a little bit better. Well, tell me what you think of this idea. I want to bounce this idea off PGA Tour player. This is my half-baked idea for how to fix slow play. And by half baked, I mean this obviously could literally never happen. But tell me, this wouldn't speed up the pace of play. That you get a warning, and then once you have failed to keep up the pace, you get a, the what we call the belt. This is an idea. I put this whole thing in a blog post. You get what's called the belt, and a ref comes out and basically shames you with a belt, like a WWE style belt that goes around your waist, that will randomly like vibrate throughout while you're walking or while you're swinging and you can't predict how it's going to vibrate <laughs> tell me that That's a the shape the shame of having to wear a belt and the, the fact that it could mess up your swing tell me that wouldn't pick up pace of play i think you know i think if we could work on it being like see-through or something like that where no sponsors or anything would get covered up i'm on board <laughs> you I could even have it sponsor you that's how you may, that's how you could do it is you you could sponsor it then the pga tour would want to do it you know here comes the, the belt presented by fedex and <laughs> i'm telling you <laughs> you can't tell me that wouldn't be a, a must-see tv when when somebody's oh, coming yeah. down the stretch and they've they... all talked about some ideas i mean I, i've talked about me and shorty have talked about like a guy just you get each how each group has like a score and like a standard bear a guy and when their 45 seconds is up the air horn is blowing no matter where they are exactly it's gonna keep it's gonna keep blowing until they hit their shot that's perfect i mean there's so many options the guys in the neighboring groups would love that too exactly i think that we'd run into a little bit of conflict hey it's uh it'd be funny i guess all right i'm gonna get you out of here i got two final questions if you could go back this season any shot you've made or taken on the pj tour this year if you could go back and redo one shot you get one mulligan this year what's the shot what tournament a tee shot on 16 at the mana for sure yep that's it that's exactly the one i had in mind (laughs) yeah it was well you hit it you had two iron right yeah i did it was it was 270 it was like 273 to the bunker yeah I mean, I I carry that club about 240 usually, and it you know rolls out to two, 260, 265, and you know that was my first really time in contention at tour event, or, you know really in contention, and uh, you know my adrenaline just got the best of me, and I I just murdered it, and that was what I learned from it, and I'll know to hit a uh, four iron next year if I make contention on that hole. <laughs> I'm glad you said that one. That was the exact shot I had in mind. I haven't seen every one of yeah. your shots this year, but I I had wagered on you to win that tournament, and I was I mean you were charging, you were making a furious yeah. charge that day, and yeah. I, I couldn't believe that you could that, that two iron would go that far, and I knew. Yeah. I mean, you had to be thinking that you were safe with that club and i think you just kind yeah. of shut the face a little bit and it rolled out on you and it's uh yeah i mean i turned i, I picked up the tee and everything and kind of looked up <laughs> and just two hops right in the bunker it was uh, i was like all right there we go that was 
that wasn't what we were looking for. Brutal. Well, learning experience, so. Exactly. Lastly, rather uh, generic and cheesy question, but do you have any specific, I guess, goals for the remainder of the season? Is President's Cup on your mind? Is it, you know, do you want to make your way into the top 50 for, you make sure you're in all the WGC events and all the majors? I guess, what are your, your main goals, I guess, for the year? Yeah, I, um, I I have a bunch of goals. I actually looked at them a couple of days ago. It's funny you say that. I, I At the beginning of the year, I put all my goals for the entire year on my phone just to have and, mm-hmm. and look at every once in a while. And so when I'm through on the year, I can uh, I can look at them. And, I mean, I haven't shared all of them with everyone just because I know once you bring them up, then it's oh. all that people talk about. Don't do and, it. Uh, yeah, don't do it. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but, yeah, I mean, it definitely stuff like, you know, making teams or, or – um, or, uh, you know, getting in the top certain ranking in the in the world is is definitely up there. But I, I think the most important one. I mean, I definitely want to do uh, to win at least once this year. And yeah. Felt like I, I'm definitely good enough to do so, and it's just a matter of me keeping keeping on putting the, the work in and um, and you know just making sure that I'm uh, you know staying healthy and rested and and my game's in the right shape and uh, just keep putting myself there and you know whether it's you know, next week at the Byron or, you know, in the middle of the summer or it's next year, whenever whenever the time is going to be right, you know, it'll be right. So I just have to let it happen. Excellent. So, all right. Now, you're the first PGA Tour player we've had on the podcast. Who who should I be looking into next? Who is an underrated guy that would be really good to talk to or somebody that I maybe haven't thought of that would be a really witty, a good guy, a good guest? Or who should I be going for next to get on the podcast? <laughs> I think I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good buddies with Max Homa. He, he's yeah. pretty funny. He, he's good. He, uh, he's. I know he hasn't been playing as well as he would have liked the last, you know, month or so. But that's, you know, that's just kind of a part of golf. But I think he, uh, he's, he's one of my best friends out there, and you know, we hang out a lot together, and we hung out a lot last year. And he's, uh, he, he, he's, he sometimes will say get a little dicey and on the edge on Twitter sometimes. Nice, it's pretty funny. But uh, <laughs> he's, uh, but yeah, he's, he's a good dude, and he's. Um, you know, he's honest, which I think is a good thing. Good. All right. Well, I'll let you go, man. I kept you for an hour. This was, uh, this was much appreciated. And uh, congrats on all your success this year. And uh, best of luck the rest of the way. I know, obviously, we'll be following along. And uh, we'll be keeping in touch throughout the year and hopefully catch up again uh, sometime later in the game. Yeah, sounds good. Thanks for having me, man. I you, enjoyed it. You bet. Take care, Justin. See you, See you man. Be the right club. Be the right club today. Johnny, yeah. that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most! Expect.